Julian Bond, and our scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 4, verse 38 through 41. And through 41. After reading a synagogue that day, Jesus went to Simon's home, where he found Simon's mother-in-law very sick with a high fever. Please heal her, everyone begged. Standing at her bedside, he rebuked the fever and then left her, and she got up at once and prepared a meal for them. As the sun went down that even evening, people throughout the village brought sick family members to Jesus. No matter what they, their diseases were, the touch of his hand healed everyone. Many were possessed by demons, and the demons came out at his command, shouting, You are the Son of God. But because they knew he was the Messiah, he rebuked them and refused to let them speak. Hey Grace242, last week we started learning how to read body language. And so this week I want to do an exercise where we put what we've learned into practice and we're going to give it a go at reading some body language. Now I've made this multiple choice so it shouldn't be too bad, but here we go. Number one, is Mandalorian A, happy, B, distressed, C, angry, or D, pleased? If you said letter D, pleased, then you're correct. Here's another one. Number two, is Mandalorian A, sad, B, angry, C, hopeful, or D, pensive? I think he's hopeful, so letter C is the correct answer. Next one, is Mandalorian A, furious, B, contrite, C, confused, or D, unsure? If you said A, furious, you'd be correct. Just look at him, the rage pulsing through him. He's ready to explode, <laughs> right? One more, is Mandalorian A, appreciative, B, skeptical, C, affectionate, or D, stressed? You are correct. If you said A, appreciative, and Mando appreciates you playing this game. Actually, in reality, Mando would not appreciate a game like this, but <laughs> I just wanted to have some fun with Mandalorian because he's got his helmet on all the time, so how are you supposed to read him, right? Now, this is just a fun game that we are playing, but last week we began to look at body language, and if none of this makes sense to you, then I'd encourage you to go back and listen to part one of this message where we started looking at and reading body language. But for the sake of this week's message, I'll just summarize how we got to this point. Jesus' life takes the shape of a triangle. We see Jesus retreating to be up with his heavenly Father. Abiding in the Father refreshes Jesus to be in with his disciples. And Jesus reproduces his own life in his disciples, training them to go out with the gospel message. When we look at the in point of the triangle, we see Jesus reproducing himself by investing in his disciples. Now, how did Jesus choose these 12 men in whom he invested his life? He found people of peace. People of peace are people who are open to you. They are open to you and they're open to what you're about. How do you determine who is and isn't a person of peace? How do you determine whether someone is open or not? Will you examine their body language? Is their body language open or is their body language closed? Here's what open body language looks like. Number one, people of peace serve you. Number two, people of peace listen to you. And number three, people of peace welcome you. Last week we looked at one and two and this week we're gonna look at number three, people of peace welcome you. Let's look at Luke chapter four and we're gonna read verses 38 and 39. Let's read. After leaving the synagogue that day, Jesus went to Simon's home, where he found Simon's mother-in-law very sick with a high fever. 
Please heal her, everyone begged. Standing at her bedside, Jesus rebuked the fever and it left her. And she got up at once and prepared a meal for them. Now verse 38 is a transitional verse. Prior to verse 38, we find Jesus in the synagogue in the city of Capernaum, and he's preaching and teaching and doing healings. And then verse 38 transitions Jesus from this public space in the synagogue to a more private space in the family home of Simon Peter. Last week we talked about the Greek word oikia, which means house, and oikia is the Greek word used for house here in verse 38. Oikia comes from the Greek root word oikos, both of which mean house or home. Let's take a look at a Greco-Roman oikos. An entire family line, consisting of likely three generations, or maybe sometimes more, would have lived in a family oikos. Luke 4, 38 and 39 recounts the healing miracle Jesus did for Peter's mother-in-law. Back in the first century, men often died in their 50s, so women would usually outlast their husbands, and it's likely that that's the case here for Peter's mother-in-law. In Peter's case, his mother-in-law lived with the family in their oikos. Family lines live together for two reasons, both for protection and for provision. Because you got to remember, there's no 911 to call or social safety net in the Roman Empire. With all these family members living in the oikos, there were lots of rooms, as you can see by the cutaway. And the oikos was typically structured with the rooms comprising the outsides of the home, surrounding an open-air courtyard in the center of the home. Now let's go back to the text and envision these events in this family oikos. And we'll read verses 38 and 39 again. After leaving the synagogue that day, Jesus went to Simon's home, where he found Simon's mother-in-law very sick with a high fever. Please heal her, everyone begged. Standing at her bedside, he rebuked the fever and it left her, and she got up at once and prepared a meal for them. Jesus enters Simon Peter's family oikos, and he's brought into one of the bedrooms where Peter's wife's mom is very sick. And Jesus performs a miracle admonishing the fever, and it leaves her. And Peter's wife's mom is totally and completely healed and restored that she immediately resumes the normal social obligations of women in that day by making a meal for her guests. Last week, we said that people of peace serve you. And here's another example of Peter's family line proving themselves to be people of peace to Jesus. After making an immediate, full recovery, Peter's wife's mom serves Jesus by preparing a meal for him. The story moved from the bedroom to the dining room and in the next two verses, the story is going to shift to the courtyard. Let's pick it up in Luke 4, and we'll read verses 40 and 41. As the sun went down that evening, people throughout the village brought sick family members to Jesus. No matter what their diseases were, the touch of his hand healed everyone. Many were possessed by demons, and the demons came out at his command, shouting, You are the Son of God! But because they knew he was the Messiah, he rebuked them and refused to let them speak. Verse 40 indicates that these events took place at sundown on the Sabbath. The end of the Sabbath marks the end of the Sabbath day prohibition on work. So people are now permitted to do the work, according to Jewish law, of carrying their sick. So people brought their sick and diseased friends and family members to Jesus. I imagine Simon Peter's oikos packed to the brim with people. Almost everyone there is accompanied by a homemade stretcher, occupied by an ill family member who cannot walk. I imagine 
others with an ill family member steadying themselves, holding their shoulders to prop themselves upright. I imagine the sounds of coughing and sneezing punctuating the night air. A chorus of nonsensical muttering by the demon-possessed underscores it all. The courtyard is packed with all these people wanting to get to Jesus. And at the center of the courtyard is Jesus, a compassionate smile on his face as he reaches out to touch foreheads, arms, legs, knees, feet, eyes, whatever the ailment is. Everyone walks away from Jesus in exuberant, inexpressible joy, having been completely healed. Luke says, no matter what their diseases were, the touch of his hand healed everyone. The mission is to reproduce our lives of following Jesus in people of peace. Who is a person of peace? A person of peace is someone who is open to you. How do you determine if someone is open or not? You examine the body language. Last week we saw that people of peace serve you, people of peace listen to you, and number three, people of peace welcome you. In verses 38 and 39, Jesus was welcomed into Simon Peter's family oikos. Let's go back to a passage I referenced last week. Let's look at Luke 10, verses 5 to 9, where Jesus is giving his instructions to 72 of his followers and sending them out to do his mission. Let's look at Luke 10, and we'll read verses 5 to 9. Whenever you enter someone's home, first say, May God's peace be on this house. If those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If they are not, the blessing will return to you. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. If you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near to you now. I smile when I read this because Jesus' instructions to his followers in Luke 10 are exactly what he himself did in Peter's family oikos back in Luke 4. Peter, as a person of peace to Jesus, welcomed him in. Jesus ate the food made by Peter's wife's mom. He accepted their hospitality, and Jesus then even healed the sick like he instructs his followers. Now, it wasn't part of our scripture reading today, but the very next verse in Luke 4, verse 42, finds Jesus waking up in the morning to be up with his father. Let's read Luke 4, verse 42. Early the next morning, Jesus went out to an isolated place. The crowds searched everywhere for him, and when they finally found him, they begged him not to leave them. Verse 42 finds Jesus waking up in the morning and seeking that up portion of the triangle, wanting to be alone with his Father. And so verse 42 indicates that Jesus spent the night at Peter's family oikos. Jesus is following his own instructions in Luke 10 to find an oikos of peace, to stay there and then to make it your ministry hub. Simon Peter's family oikos is becoming Jesus' ministry hub for the city of Capernaum. When you're reading body language, how do you tell if someone's a person of peace or not? People of peace welcome you. Peter himself was a person of peace to Jesus, and Peter's family oikos was a house of peace because they welcomed him. On Colin's bookshelf in his bedroom is this childhood classic, If You Give a Mouse a Cookie. Now, I know many of you are familiar with this, but we'll just read a few pages. If you give a mouse a cookie, he's going to ask for a glass of milk. 
When you give him the milk, he'll probably ask you for a straw. When he's finished, he'll ask for a napkin. Then he'll want to look in a mirror to make sure he doesn't have a milk mustache. And the book goes on like that, creating this silly series of events where if you give the mouse something, then he's going to want all these other things to go with it. Now I reference this classic childhood book because this situation is sort of like if you give a mouse a cookie. And it's like this, if you give Jesus an oikos of peace, that's verses 38 and 39, then he's going to want a whole healing ministry in your courtyard to go with it. That's verses 40 and 41. If you give Jesus an inch, he's going to take a mile. I want us to note this dramatic turn of events. Jesus has just been invited in to the family oikos of Peter, and already by nightfall, he's got the courtyard packed with people needing healing. If you give Jesus an oikos of peace, he's going to want a whole healing ministry to go with it. New Testament scholar Donald Hagner signals something else that we need to understand about Greco-Roman culture here. Here's what Hagner says. Certain codes of conduct were fixed elements of social interaction and were universally operative. One of the most important of these was honor and shame, the latter to be avoided, the former to be sought. Honor was given to those who embodied society's or a group's values. Shame was experienced by those who flouted them. Honor and shame thus exerted a considerable motivating power for appropriate conduct. So you have these honor, shame, cultural codes at play, and who you allowed into your oikos played a role in this honor-shame dynamic. Allowing someone into your home made a status statement. By allowing someone into your home, you, as someone who is ranked in the social order, are associating yourself with someone else who has their own rank in the social order. So there is careful attention given to whom you allow into your home. Look at this table from James Jeffress's book on the world of the New Testament. This table depicts the hierarchy of social status in the Roman Empire, and it's another triangle, indicating a small number of people at the top and a large number of people at the bottom. At the top are people in government and those who have earned high status. These are the elites in Rome. This is the ruling class. The respectable populace includes small landowners, craftsmen, and shopkeepers. Peter's family is likely here in the social order. Then we transition to free poor. Now what I want you to do is look at the very bottom of this chart. Who do you see? The ill. Those who were sick had the lowest status in the Roman Empire. You can't do any worse than sick or ill. Imagine Peter's family oikos. They run a successful fishing business as a family and therefore enjoy a pretty comfortable status in this honor-shame dynamic. They invite Jesus into their home, they give the mouse a cookie, and what does this guy do? He immediately throws open the doors of Peter's family oikos to the lowest, most undesirable types of people. If people would have seen what was going on at Peter's family oikos, the status of that family in people's minds would immediately drop because they would say, look who's going into Simon Peter's home. This is sort of like installing a red light bulb on your front porch, hanging a neon sign in your window, and inviting smokers and tweakers to hang out on your front porch. <laughs> but this is all because Peter's oikos is an oikos of peace to Jesus. Because people of peace welcome you. 
Jesus was welcomed in and he immediately set to work on his mission, making Peter's Oikos his ministry hub. When reading the body language, people of peace welcome you. Now I've geeked out so much on this moment in Jesus' ministry that I've run out of time to draw all the parallels that I wanted to draw for us. So next time, we'll be looking at how this part of Jesus' ministry moves us from the in point of the triangle to the out point of the triangle. And we'll be looking at the parallels between Jesus' missional strategy and our mission of being, making, multiplying disciples here at Grace 242. So for right now, I'll leave you with two pretty open-ended questions. The first one is, what's the Lord bringing to your attention in all this? What's he laying on your heart? What are you getting out of this? How is God moving you to action? What's he drawing your attention to? And the second question kind of gets us started on next week already, and that's, what are the parallels that you see between Jesus' missional strategy and our desire to be, make, and multiply disciples here at Grace 242? Where do you see God at work in our mission and in our midst here at Grace 242? I'll close out this week's message by reading James 1.22, which says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. Love you, Grace 242. See you next time.